Okay, how are we doing? All right. So, uh, once again, this morning will be a little bit different. If you say different very many times, then there's no norm. Everything's different, uh, which is probably not bad. Uh, but we usually get into the, the Word a little more. This morning's going to be a lot of stories, and I'll tell you why. Uh, but before I do that, uh, first off, I wanted to reiterate that men's prayer thing coming up, men only praying uh, like, uh, like men of war, like spiritual men, uh, November 20th, Freedom Christian Center. I am very excited about that. I cannot go because I have to be in North Georgia for a memorial service, and I am very bummed. Uh, but I want a good representation. So I would go beyond encouraging you. I would say, man, unless you have something else you have to do, like go to another state for a memorial service, <laughs> be there. Uh, come and pray. I think it's going to be powerful. I don't know what God's going to do, but God certainly set it up. Uh, the other thing is, just wanted to take a moment to say thank you uh, on behalf of uh, Aaron and Gary and myself for all the uh, pastor appreciation stuff. We feel, we feel loved and appreciated. You guys are fun to pastor. And uh, so thanks. And the gift certificates for food will come in handy after the fasting. So <laughs> it's great. Okay. Uh, last time we did this, it took a really long time. So we're going to try and hurry a little bit and not take a really long time. Uh, a couple of years ago we did this, uh, and I did not give you notes today because, again, I'm mostly going to be telling stories. Um, and I'm going to be talking about our revival history. We've been talking, if you're a visitor, um, we're continuing kind of in the theme, so you would have to have gone online to be caught up. But we've been talking about how God's doing something with uh, things that he did in the 90s, and in the early 2000s, and, and he's doing something now, and he's incorporating that. And so I promised you we would tell the stories. And uh, just so you know, this is biblical. Uh, the Bible talks about a lot in the Old Testament about keeping his covenant, about keeping his commandments, about keeping his law, and about keeping his testimonies. And it, in part, uh, means the law, uh, the actual tablets that Moses brought down from Mount Sinai, uh, referred to as the testimony, and they were put in the Ark of the Testimony. Uh, but it also means the stories. Now, it's interesting, if you look up the, the word testimonies in the Hebrew, the root word uh, has the connotation of returning or repeating or doing again. So we keep the testimonies because we want God to do it again, Right? So it's just a lot of God do it again, God do it again, God do it again. And uh, that's really what revival means when we talk about the history of revival, uh, to cause something that used to be alive that is faded in life in some way to live again, right? How many of you are for revival? Okay, good. If you're not, honestly, this is probably the wrong church for you because it's what we want and uh, you'll just be annoyed when it happens. All right. I just want you to see a couple quick verses how important this is, and then we're going to start telling you the stories. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, he says, Only take heed of yourselves and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen. It's important for us to not just know the Word, but to have experiences, have encounters with God. It really is. Lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life and teach them to your children and your grandchildren, 
especially concerning the day you stood before the Lord, your God, in Horeb, which is Sinai. Uh, so he's saying, you really need to tell your children about not just my Bible stories, but about experiences with me. So you need to have some experiences with me so you can tell your children about them. And especially what it's like when you stood before me, especially the times you've been in my presence. Tell them stories about that. Because he wants, um, as it says at the end of this, uh, that they may learn to fear me all the days of their life and that they may teach their children. Because he wants to keep doing this stuff. He wants to repeat it. Uh, I love Psalm 78, verses 4 through 7. We will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works. We need some works we can tell our kids, don't we? That's why we need a revival. That he has done, for he established a testimony in Jacob. He always wants to establish a testimony. And appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. If you want your kids to set their hope in God, you need to tell them some stories about what God can do. Right? All right, so let's do that. So Rachel, if you want to come on up. Uh, go ahead and just grab your mic. We're going to, I'm going to start with 1990. How many of you weren't born yet? Hello. I don't know. It's okay. 1990 is where this all begins. Now, we did not experience revival until 1993. Why do I begin in 1990? It's because in 1990, we grabbed a hold of the rope of the promises of God and started pulling on it. So revival started when we started pulling on the rope. We just didn't see it until 1993. But in 1990, um, we had, for about a year and a half, uh, we had some, several of our teenagers from the youth church uh, wanted to gather uh, before school at 6 a.m., six days a week, and pray. How do you say no to that? So we didn't. So for a year and a half, we gathered at 6 a.m. and prayed. And then you want to, so this is basically, if you guys watch football, I'm basically doing down and distance, and she's doing the color commentary. <laughs> All right? Well, back in the day, yeah. um, I do want to say, too, even if you don't want revival, we want you here anyway because we think we can convince you You might get used revival. to it. It's okay. Right, Just try right. it. We do want you here. We, we love the family. You might like it. Um, crazy thing about 6 a.m. prayer was um, we also had a bunch of stuff going on at night. So I think I was getting like five hours of sleep at night on average. Yeah, we were younger. We were, young, we were much younger. We weren't married. We weren't married then. But, it, it, um, you know, Stuart Greaves, you guys all, a lot of you know Stuart Greaves. He'll be here in December. Um, I, w I was thinking about this, like, what stories do I want to tell? Because um, I'm getting older and I forget some of them and you don't want to just drag out, well, and then Monday we did this and Tuesday we did this. But, you know, the Lord sent Stuart here and, and Stuart is an international guy. You know, he's, he's now the executive director at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. You know, he like sent him here. Like we have a history with this guy. It, it, you know, he's a big gun. You know, we're all big guns, but you know, the Lord is using him in a different way. 
And I look back to that tall, skinny kid um, yep. being in this room. And so, so the Lord really used that time to start building up a bunch of people um, to lead us to this moment that we're in now. And it was just prayer, no music. We didn't have music back then. We didn't know to. Um, we didn't include worship and prayer together. But it was just, it, it was often a holy time. And just for me, a personal story, um, you know, I had just come out of college and come out of the party scene. I was a couple years out of that. And um, I was in the nursing mom's room. And during that season, because while we were praying together, God was also encountering us individually. And I remember just weeping on the floor going, God, I never want to leave you again. I never want to leave you again. Not that I did. I just wasn't focused on him. You know, I would wake up with a hangover praying, you know, so, you know, it's just that I, he encountered me in that season of prayer and, and began to change and work my heart and show me who he really was and how he really felt about me, so. All right, so I'm going to highlight five words as we go through this because these are the five keys, I believe, to revival that we have learned and that we continue to do, and I want to make sure you're aware of them. So the first one is prayer. We started praying. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot find, and I've read a lot of books on revival, I cannot find a revival anywhere that didn't have a lot of prayer preceding it. So, uh, spring of 1992, a couple years later, um, something interesting happens. And uh, again, I'll give you the highlight word, and that is unity. Uh, God commands a blessing on unity, Psalm 133. And so, that's always been a high value. And so we did this interesting thing. We met a couple other youth pastors, Lance and Shannon Alinsky, and uh, we, um, we began to, we, began, it, it, we ended up calling it High Calling out of uh, Philippians 3. And uh, we began to partner with them, uh, and at its heyday, and we did this for years, there were, there were four or five youth churches um, partnering together, just going for it. We started out, like most youth groups start out, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, and pizza. And, uh, I mean, we're against the first three, you know. Uh, what? Wait. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and real quickly, I went, well, this is silly. I don't have a 12-year-old Bible. I just got this Bible here. Uh, so let's just, let's just get close to Jesus and his holiness, and all that stuff will take care of itself, and that kind of worked. And so we met other people who were like-minded. And so we would have four or five churches where we would sit down in November, we'd plan our year, and we each had our weekly meetings at our church, but then we would do all our, our uh, youth retreats together and our monthly activities together, and we'd go on mission trips together, and we were doing all this, and we'd have youth attending three youth churches at once, because we met on different nights and doing all this stuff. And so we had this incredible unity thing going on uh, where uh, we were just going for it, and we would get a bunch of teenagers together going for it. And in the midst of this, um, we have what I call the prayer ultimatum, which I'll let Rachel tell you about. And I just want to say, Laura, we met Laura Gonda in this season. So she was, she was a fruit of that because she was going to freedom at the time. And um, here. Yeah, so and somewhere else, I think. <laughs> the color commentary is, we got married in March of 92, and so we had been praying, so we start praying in 90, right? We're praying six mornings a week, 6 a.m. We get married in March of 92. About a month later, we, we're running like 60 kids, so at youth, 
And we leave a youth meeting, and we drive to our little apartment over in Windover, and I said, I don't want to do this anymore. This is boring. I don't know why they're coming, and I can tell you I don't want to go. And so Tony was like, he's the youth pastor, guys. He's like, I'm feeling the same way. I don't want to go either. It's boring. We don't even know why they're coming. Of course, when you're a teenager, you come to hang out with your friends. And so we just, I remember just sitting in the car thinking, like, what are we going to do? And that's when we said, well, we got to do what we've been doing. we got to start praying. So we started praying on Thursday night with these youth leaders. Now, then we had not met a bunch of other people, so it was kind of like, our youth leaders were coming, and some other adults were coming, and we ended up like just being ministered to by the Lord in the beginning more than we were actually praying for God to do something through the youth. And then in June of that year, we met Lance and Shannon Olinsky, who were at Zion, which is now LifePoint, and you know, it's that instant God connection. We're like, hey, we like each other. Let's hang out. They're 10 years younger than we are, um, but we just had an instant connection with them, and that's when we started beginning the high calling. So they started to come into Thursday night prayer. Um, then we had Freedom's Youth group, youth leaders, Ted, which you're going to meet next weekend. We had Ted started coming, and then we met the guys up at the tabernacle when it was a tabernacle. And so that's how we began to pray together. And God began to move among us leaders first and touching our hearts. And then he began to spill out into the youth meetings. So the ultimatum, and if you're going to give God an ultimatum, I recommend it be very polite. Um, <laughs> It was a very polite ultimatum. We basically said this, God, yes. if you aren't going to do something, we don't want to do this anymore, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what we but said. we will pray. That was, I th think, the important part of the ultimatum. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I say polite because, you know, we can't really hold anything over on God. Uh, but even if he said no and keep doing it anyway, I'd have had to say yes, sir. Uh, but he decided he would work with that. And so we met every single Thursday night just to pray for the youth. Now, so what comes out of that? We're, Should we tell the funny Jack story? I don't even know which one you're talking so about. So we were, we were meeting at our house, and one of our leaders, Renee Godwin, some of you oh. guys remember her, she's praying, she's so intent, and our dog Jack is making the circle. And so he walks He's up a very to, friendly dog. He's a very friendly dog. He walks up to Renee. I don't know how he did it, but he ends up licking her and getting his tongue in his mouth, as dogs often do. She, yeah. So she's just praying, and she's going... Tony's watching it, so it was very... Uh, Don't pray with your eyes closed when our, there's a dog in the room. <laughs> and, our cat, and our cat, Red, also struck many people oh. with his sharp claws during these yeah. meetings, but we still gathered to pray. Yeah. Did not deter us. Anyway, uh, so spring of 1993, this is when uh, really revival starts. But again, it started with the prayer and with the unity. Um, but this is when the third word I want to highlight is presence. When we, we just had decided that we're after the presence of God. It's not enough to just know the stories. Uh, I'm noticing that the youth need encounters with God, and so we're going for the presence of God. So in the spring of 93, God tells me to do a prayer retreat. So we go up to Teen Missions up in Merritt Island, and I reserve it, and we're going to do a prayer retreat. Now, this is what a prayer retreat is. Um, we go up there on a Friday after school, we pray, we have a meeting that night, we get up Saturday morning, I tell them, you're not allowed to talk to anyone but God until lunch. And I send them off into the bushes with the alligators and stuff, <laughs> and a little piece of paper where they're supposed to ask God questions. And then after lunch, we get together in a big tree house, and I hear what they said. That was really interesting. And then that Saturday night, 
uh, we have a worship and a meeting and, and just go for it and see what God wants to do. Now, this is what the prayer retreat actually was. I've never done a prayer retreat before. I've never heard of people taking youth for a whole weekend just to pray. I'm thinking, well, you know, the ones that are serious will come. We'll get a few youth. Uh, so I tell Pastor Jim uh, what I'm going to do, and he's okay. And then a few days later, he comes back. He goes, you, you, you got to do something. Play paintball something. you got to throw something fun in there. Nobody's going to come. So, But we have to note that Pastor Jim at the time had two teenagers that were in youth Yeah. also. So I, I go, uh, I, okay. And so I go back, and I pray, and God's like, no, I want a prayer retreat. So I go back to Jim, and I go, I really think God's serious about this. I don't think we get to do anything fun. Uh, <laughs> little did I know. Uh, so, uh, so Jim's like, all right, go for it. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, well, you know, whatever. We'll just, you know, we're doing student leaders at that time. So we're trying to train youth to minister to other youth. We've, I I'd always wanted to put the youth group together, junior high and senior high, usually separate them because the junior high drive the senior high crazy. But, uh, at the point, it took a few years, but at the point where I got senior high youth who would see them as ministry, then it worked. And they're trying to minister them. And, and, and I got student leaders, uh, you know, looking after other young students and stuff like that. And so I'm thinking, well, you know, a few of my student leaders will come. We'll get some people, whatever. We'll just take what we get. Well, we get like 80 youth. But this is a joint thing with high, yeah. this is a high calling thing with, with Freedom and, and LifePoint or Zion. So we have this big herd of youth. Uh, I didn't expect 80 youth, but uh, that's what we took. So... We get there, and we do my plan, and we get to Saturday night, and we're worshiping. And we've been pushing worship. We've been pushing the presence of God. But um, this is strange because uh, I'm praying and going, God, what do you want to do? And God goes, just keep pressing in. Keep pressing in. I said, okay. So we do that, and we do that, and we do that. And it's like 30 minutes, and I'm going, God, seriously, these are teenagers. What are we doing? And he goes, keep pressing in. Like, All right. So 40, 45 minutes, he finally goes, okay, go up front and pray. Ask them if they want prayer. So, all right, good. We're going to do something now. So I get all the youth leaders up front, and, uh, and I tell the youth, uh, okay, and some of them, some of the, there are adults in here that were at this uh, that have their own youth now. There's one. And, Raise your hand um, if you were there. And I said, okay, uh, you guys can come pray. And I'm expecting the typical teenage response. Uh, a few of them will wander up. They'll kind of make a line, you know. And all 80 of them just come at us. <laughs> and and so, so we're in the line up front. I'm like, well, all right, just start grabbing teenagers and pray for them. So um, God had been, this is strange. There's some strange things in here. I, I tell people uh, my rule of thumb is don't be any weirder than you have to be. But sometimes God will do weird things. Don't do weird for the sake of weird, but this was weird. God had been having me blow on people. Now, that's biblical. John 20, he did it to the disciples, breathed on them, received the Holy Spirit, and they did. So, uh, but nothing had ever happened. In fact, I would apologize. I would tell people, God, it had been happening for like a month. God's telling me to blow on you. Nothing's going to happen. I'm sorry. Uh, here we go. Right. Give yourself a Bianca so, blast. Yeah, so I'm getting ready to pray for this person, and of course, God says, blowing her. I'm like, okay, and as I'm taking, inhaling, 
I see Renee Godwin is next to me, who is like the most conservative, polite, do-it-by-the-rules person ever, right? And, and I see the person she's playing, praying for just go, whoomp. And I look over, and she looks up at me with great big eyes. I go, what'd you do? She goes, I just blew on her. I said, well, get another one. <laughs> and, uh, and then I, I look back at mine and went, oh, yeah, I was supposed to. And so I go, and she goes, whoomp. And I went, huh. <laughs> now. The goal isn't to get them to land yeah. on the floor. <laughs> no, but it was. The presence That of was new. That had never happened to us before. We didn't know about that. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and within about, I'd say, 15, 20 minutes, all we have is youth scattered all over, laying on the floor, crying, laughing, encountering God, wild things going on. And, uh, and I'm going, well, this might have, this, it, it wasn't specifically what I was asking for, but this might be what we were asking for, right? And so they're having these deep encounters with God. They're, they're, stuff's happening. We, and we had weird stuff we can't explain happen. Uh, where's Brenda. Brenda Branham. She's Brenda. She's here somewhere. She's um, teaching. Oh, she's with the kids. Her son Billy would play drums, and this and he was so we had that whole drum kit set up over here, and about three feet behind the drum kit is a, a railing. They had railings around the front where people could kneel and pray, and I'm watching in the middle of worship, and he flies off the now. No one's near him. No one's near him, and he flies off the drum kit, and he's stuck about three feet back, crumpled between the rail and the stage, and it looked like something just kicked him in the chest and punted him off the drum kit, and he's just out. And by this point, I'm not even concerned. I just go, (laughs) that was interesting. Here's another one, you know. We've got, I remember Josh Franklin. He'll be one of our speakers coming up. Josh Franklin was sitting back in the chairs and he's kind of, looks like he's kind of melting, and he's kind of slender like, and I thought, oh, look, John, God's touching Josh. And then I realized Ted goes back to help him, and I found out later his head was stuck between two chairs. He's just kind of hanging there because he can't move his body. He's, his body doesn't work anymore. He's just, and so I don't, I don't totally know why God does all this stuff. I know our body can't handle all of God. Uh, but we just kept having stuff like that. And the more important thing was, they were encountering God. They were going deep. They were getting personal. So uh, that's just a couple of those um, from when we began to pursue the presence. And so these prayer retreats, we did these every year for 20 years. And every year, God would show up and do stuff. So any add to that? I think think one of the fun things was when we brought it back. It wasn't just at the prayer retreat. It came home with us. Oh, yeah. So we started seeing it manifest on, you know, God doing things to people. I don't say manifest, but God doing things with people on Sunday morning. It was at every youth church. We would have some ministry going on, kids getting touched. And um, so kids are bringing their friends. And so we had uh, this one kid come in. It's one of my favorite stories. Yeah, yeah. The Meg- he had a Megadeth t-shirt on, you know, and he walks in with a Megadeth attitude. So he's, I think he's here with one of his friends. He doesn't really want to be here. So we just do our worship. There's a little student teaching. We go back into worship. 
Next thing you know, he's down on the floor, face first, down on the floor, kneeling down. I think Tony goes over to say yeah. something to him. He couldn't have been more bored during my teaching. No, he couldn't have been more bored, right? Tony walks over to him. He's like, what's going on, man? He's like, dude, God's here. And so, yeah. so he encountered mega life. But yeah. just that no one touched him. No one talked to him. No one did anything. He was just like, dude, yeah. God's here. So, so I walked away. So, yeah. All right, just stay That's there. Good. Yeah, so we had this going on at youth church continually. I mean, it, it came back with us. And every, every I forget when we were meeting Saturday night, Sunday nights, because it changed. Sunday, I think. It just kept going on. And so we, we come up to, in this, we would do youth Sundays where the youth would take over the service. And, uh, and so we're praying in the morning before youth Sunday, and I'm thinking, hmm. And I go, because <laughs> I'm watching what's happening. And I go back So youth to, Sunday was probably like, a month and a half or a month after yeah. the prayer retreat. So I go, I go back to Pastor Jim and I go, uh, stuff's going to happen <laughs> when we have the youth pray for people. And he's like, all right. So we have the youth up front. Sure enough, Dell's come up. You're going to let the youth pray for him because that's cute, right? And, uh, and the next thing I know, I just got adults laying all over the stage up here or all over the front up here out in the spirit, or laughing, or crying, or whatever, uh, just like the teenagers, uh, and we didn't warn them, um, so, uh, you know, that, that just was the deal, that was what this thing looked like. Now, so that kept going, and then you may be aware of this next part, we're going to move up to about a year and a half later, January of 1995, now somewhere in 94, there began to be the Toronto Revival. How many of you are familiar with that? Okay, good. So you know how wild and crazy that was. People like Heidi Baker came out and stuff like that. Well, um, we're already kind of doing that, and we're getting mixed reviews uh, <laughs> with the youth. Some people thought it was great. Some people, you know, we had parents showing up at youth church because God's showing up, and I'm like, okay, you have to stay in the back, but you can be here. And... And then we have parents who are concerned and uh, think I'm crazy, you know. And they could both be true, but uh, it's a good crazy. So uh, anyway, um, we have the Toronto thing going on now, and Pastor Jim and Pastor Gary and their wives go to Toronto to see that. And so it's going to end up, what's going to happen is um, they're going to come back different, now things are going on more than just at Church on the Rock. They're going on in different areas. And so what I don't, you may have heard that it happened at the Tabernacle Church. Uh, it didn't really happen at the Tabernacle Church. It was happening at any church in our region who wanted it to happen. And uh, we invited Randy Clark to come in January of 1995 and just like on that Sunday morning with the Youth Sunday, we, we knew what was going to happen. So we had this incredible unity going on at that time. With all, We would do a pastor's retreat, and we'd get 40, 50, 60 pastors from different denominations and everything, go spend three days praying together. And so a large group of these pastors um, said, well, let's have Randy Clark for a week. He ended up staying longer because he was having fun. And... Uh, and we'll just pick the biggest church in the area, which was the tab at that point, because it would hold, I think, 1,200 people if we really packed them in. And uh, long story short, uh, we spent two years of having meetings six nights a week until one or two in the morning 
with this kind of stuff going on. We have people coming from other states and other countries. And again, we just kept having people all over the floor and they come up and they got healed or they had a vision or they, you know, or God released them from something. Just revival. Um, so at this point, I'm going to let Gary uh, just fill you in on the trip to Toronto because I wasn't there. All right. Uh, as uh, Tony mentioned, we began to see the Spirit of God moving among the youth, and uh, we heard about what's going on in Toronto, and, and we, had, we had people excited about it. We had people complaining about it. You know, this isn't God. This is the devil. This is demonic, whatever. And so Pastor Jim decided it was time to go to Toronto and find out. So Pastor Jim and his wife and uh, myself, my wife, Bonnie, we flew up to Toronto uh, to visit the airport vineyard where all this was taking place and try to discern is this God or is this not God? Because some of these things are not always described in the Bible, so you don't always know what's the Lord and what's not the Lord. And so we, we found ourselves in that environment for several days, almost a week, I think, and we observed what was going on. And it, there, were some, there were some funny things, people falling out in the spirit, uh, people laughing, some people roaring like a lion. Uh, some of it I understood and some of it I didn't understand. But we really felt like it was, the, it was God. We, we just witnessed in our spirits that the Spirit of God was moving. Uh, you gotta, you got to look past the human element sometime because people can do strange things just to get attention, but then there's those who are really uh, uh, touched by the Spirit of the living God. And so when we came back here, the first thing we did is we had an elders meeting, uh, elders and wives meeting, and Pastor Jim began to explain to the elders and wives what was happening uh, in Toronto. And I don't think he got more than five or ten minutes into what he was sharing. And then one of, the, one of the eldest wives just fell under the power of the Spirit of God, and it just moved through the eldership. And then, of course, it moved into the church. And so um, we really believed it was God and still do believe it was God. Amen. Okay. So, like I said, if you want to run screaming from the room, now's your chance. Uh, so... Um, what came out of this, I'm going to move a little bit ahead. Uh, so that was just, it, it's hard to tell a lot of stories. And I, it was one of those you had to be there kind of things. So be sure and be there for the next one. Okay. Um, so the next thing that happens, uh, the summer of 1997. Now, we have been really pressing into pursuing the presence of God. And God gives us, we didn't realize at the time, but God gives us this group of teenagers uh, that made up a worship band that was just off the chart. If, if it were today, it would be like Jesus culture or something. I mean, it was, it was an amazing worship band. One of them is a professional, plays with every uh, worship band in the world right now. Um, but it was, it was amazing. And again, uh, highlighting those words, I highlighted prayer, I highlighted unity, I highlighted presence. I would like to highlight worship. Uh, intense worship is key to revival. And so uh, we started pursuing worship, and we have this band that is just bringing the presence of God all the time. And uh, Lori, Laura was in that band, but she was, I don't know, 14, 15 then, something like that. Uh, so we go, hey, we should do something with this band. We're doing these mi mission trips, but let's take the band. Let's see if we can do something. So with we, them. out of that, we started just to fill in the detail there. We started taking mission trips. So instead of doing retreats yeah. up to Georgia, which Tony did for years, 
we started saying, hey, let's go out. Let's teach them. So we did mission trips between the, the multiple churches, Honduras, Haiti, Guatemala. Yeah. And so this one, so, th- so that was 96. Yeah. So 97, 97 we go. Is New York. 97, let's take them to New York. So uh, Lance goes, hey, I got this lady in my church who knows a pastor in New York who she said he'll totally let us come up there and and uh, take over a local park, and they can set up sound. We could do worship, and I go, that sounds outreachy. Let's try it. And so we go up, and we meet for lunch with this pastor, who's now a great friend of ours, Marlo Dunham. Um, uh, he's never heard of, or he only vaguely remembers this lady who assured him that. So here we are having lunch, and but he's just one of these guys who's a little crazy, and he and, and he's an evangelist, and he's and he kind of likes us, and he goes, ah, let's. Bring him up. Let's do it. Let's see what happens. His wife is like, what? So they're in his brand new church, and, and we bring up 22 youth um, to live in the church and do worship and do a, a youth rally. Now, their youth group is 12 people, and they're on a retreat or something. They're not even there. They're not even there when we show up. And, and we go, and he's like, all right, whatever. Here's the sanctuary. So, and they really are into worship, and they've got an amazing sound man, an amazing system, and it sounds great. So the band gets up and starts playing, and Marlo looks at me, and he goes, he goes, your band's really anointed. I go, yeah. He goes, we don't see that a lot up here. And I said, oh, you can't throw a rock and I hit an anointed band where I'm from. And, uh, and, and he goes, well, we got to get the word out. I said, well, go ahead. So he gets on the radio station and starts anything. So... We end up uh, over this youth rally thing having, uh, I don't know, by the end of it, we're having two, 300 people showing up, adults and teens. And uh, we did it this year. We did it the following year. We got, again, the stuff is going on. People are getting filled with the Spirit and out in the Spirit. We had one girl who, Marlo at one point, gets up on stage and goes, whoever wants to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, come up here in about 30 Young people come up, and he prays for them. They get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we're talking to this girl. Two days later. She was on our team. Yeah, she's on our team. And she's wanting to know if anyone else is shaking because she's been shaking for two days. And and she's she's going, is is there an earthquake? She said, is there an earthquake? Is this just me? And I go, what happened? She goes, I don't know. I said, well, this is from when you came up for prayer, right? She goes, I don't know. She goes, I just... Uh, I don't know why I was there. I just she doesn't remember raising her yeah, hand. She raised she her hand. I saw it off. Gets prayed goes, for. Gets I was filled just with the spirit. There. She goes. I, I just, don't even know how that happened. I was. I didn't remember raising my yeah. hand. And they prayed, and I've been shaking for two days and <laughs> praying the spirit. And I, I, well, Kim. just you know, whatever. Go for it. Keep shaking. <laughs> God so, saw you. Don't worry about it. So this is the kind of stuff that's going on, and it got so good uh, that uh, I mean, we went up there maybe ten years ago to speak, and I had like half a dozen people. We went, yeah. Okay, 2014? Yeah. I had like half a dozen people come up to me and tell me stories about how God changed their life on one of those two years. Adults. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, you know, still, all these years later, I'm just going, God's blowing this thing up. At the end of the thing, I throw down a pad of paper, and I go, how many of you want to have a youth church like this? If you do, come put your name down here and your phone number. And if you play an instrument, put that on the side. Like two months later, Marlo calls me and goes, yeah, he just leads the youth because he didn't have a youth pastor at that point. And uh, he goes, yeah, we're running like 100 youth and got two bands. And I'm like, awesome. They went we, from aren't, 12, we aren't doing that. <laughs> they went from 12 to 150 Yeah. from, from August to December. I'm like, well, we only got 40. 
gee whiz, God. No, yeah. but, but God just did something with them. He just blew it up. And it was, it was the reverse revival thing. Usually when a revival meeting starts out or you start a weekly meeting, right, everybody goes, everybody's there. And then as it goes on, not everybody's there. It peters out, less and less people. This started out with like maybe 50, 7,500 people. And by the end of the week, it was 300 people coming. So it did the reverse thing. So God was doing something in Poughkeepsie and doing something in what was then River Church. Yeah. And it would, I mean, people wouldn't leave. It was, we had to tell our guitarist to stop one night at 1230 because there were still two people there and he wasn't going to quit while anybody was still. He was still playing. Yeah. I said, Andrew, go to bed. Yeah. We were all up eating ice cream at that point. Uh, and I just want to point out before I forget, we got brandy from this church. So That's right. God sent us ahead to recruit. Aaron to went up there, did some youth ministry, stole a brandy, came back. And awesome. Caroline's daughter also worked there for a while, Elizabeth. She went up and did some yeah. work there. So. Laura went out to uh, IHOP, Kansas City, stole a Jeremiah, came back. <laughs> Teenagers, this is the way you do it. <laughs> go get someone, go get a first-round draft pick and bring them back. Okay, uh, so... Going on, we're going to, I'm going to try. Um, so the next thing that happens is we get to thinking, I wonder if we can do something like this here where we live. And so we start doing these basically youth conferences. We called them, they start out being one thing, but then uh, IHOP was using that name after they decided, and there's just, just way bigger than ours, so we had to come up with a different name. So uh, we called it In the Fire. And we started doing them from 2001 to 2006 at the Melbourne, the first couple I think we did at Vineyard, but then we were at the Melbourne Auditorium, downtown mm -hmm. Melbourne, uh, because we were getting two, 300 people showing up at the conference. We started doing these in the fire conferences. How many of you attended one of those? Okay, good. So again, it was a lot like what had happened in New York. We had, uh, we had guests, we kept getting guest speakers from IHOP through Stewart. Uh, Lou Engel and uh, Jill Austin and Sean uh, Bowles. Yeah, Sean Bowles and guys like that. And and uh, and so again, we had all this stuff going on. I, I remember um, Matt Gurdon, who uh, used to youth here for a while, uh, came down with his sister, his fourteen-year-old sister, uh, came down to see him, and she just got wrecked. She was like never the same. She just showed up at this conference, and God would just keep doing that, and it, and uh, we just kept having the God stuff. And so uh, those were intense. And, and again, it was one of those you had to be there kind of things, but God was moving. And by the way, uh, our worship leader for all of those conferences uh, was Javier Laboy, who was a local youth pastor at the time and uh, was using our youth band uh, and part of his band and all that. Um, so if you're thinking on this upcoming weekend, I'll do Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday, eh, I'll probably take off Saturday. I wouldn't because... Uh, Saturday, Javi's leading worship, and so I'm looking for a, a uh, in the fire part two. <laughs> so, uh, he's a really amazing worship leader. You do not want to miss Saturday morning. I'm just saying. So, uh, anything you want to say about in the fire? Uh, they were fun conferences. You guys were there. Um, I want to emphasize one of the things is we. We see the manifestation of God moved by people laughing or crying or maybe going out in the spirit. But the goal is always to touch our hearts to God's heart. 
The goal isn't to see stuff happen. And so the goal, and so we, in some of these things, when you have people coming who are hungry, like in the fire and like what happened in Poughkeepsie, is that people wanted to know God. They wanted to touch God. They wanted to experience the heart of God. And so that's really what we're, what we're going for. We want his heart for not only our own lives, but for the community it's, and for what he wants to do in the earth. And so these conferences, to me, in the fire, we had some amazing, amazing times of worship. We had this one session where we all just harmonized. It was wasn't it like for 45 minutes it was just and Jer was doing this low bassy thing and it was just all vocalization and harm Bob you would have you would have loved it just harmonizing just for 45 minutes but it was all unto the Lord it just wasn't sound you weren't just doing a thing it was it was seeing what God was doing and you begin to experience God in different ways your different senses begin to experience him and so that, those were some of the things that I really loved about those conferences. It wasn't we just came, we sang some songs, we sat down, we got a nice teaching, and we went home. We began, all of our senses were taking in God. All of our senses were experiencing God, not just our heads, but our hearts, and even at times people's bodies, you know, feeling a touch of the Lord on their heart and, and mind. Okay, so um, coming out of that, we, with all these prophetic people coming to the end of our conference, we are getting a lot of prophetic words. And almost all of them were, uh, well, they were, you know, really good about what God wanted to do, but almost all of them were conditional, talked about how we needed to, to press in, we need to lay hold of the promises of God. And so um, we became very committed to persistence. That's the fifth word I want to highlight. Prayer, unity, presence, worship, persistence. Uh, we made a decision, and you have to make a decision if you go by your feelings, you won't make this decision. We made a decision that we were going to be persistent in the pursuit of these prophetic words in, in prayer. And so we had learned how to do harp and bowl prayer from IHOP, and we were doing it a lot. And so we started Fire Dweller. It ran from 2002, uh, concurrent with the In the Fire Conference, to 2009. And for most of that time, we were meeting in downtown Melbourne at the old, uh, his place, which is the oldest church down there. Um, we were meeting there. Now listen, guys, every Friday night, I took, I hauled a trailer down there full of sound gear. We set up a full band of youth every Friday night, not once a month, once a week. Every Friday night, we've got between 50 and 80 young people down there spending about two hours in harp and bowl prayer for the city every Friday night. And we did that uh, often, well, we did that for, what was it, seven years? I think it was uh, two to eight, 2008. Okay, six years. We did it for a long time. <laughs> and uh, the last couple of years, we had moved to a different church, but, and, it, and it had kind of faded. But, uh, guys, we were just going for it. We started it with like a 40-day fast that a bunch of teenagers got in on. Um, and then we were kind of focused on downtown, and I kind of felt God poking me about Tuesday and Thursday night prayer, and so I and it it, uh, it was a little crazy, and so when um, ever I needed to do something crazy, I'd get Ted to do it with me because he's crazier than I am, and uh, I said, Ted, I think I feel like we're going to prayer walk in downtown from like midnight to two or three in the morning on Tuesdays and Thursday nights, and he's like, yeah, I'm there. 
All right. So we start doing it. And um, we keep having these odd God experiences and God encounters. In fact, I had this one place. Well, I'll tell you that in a minute. We, um, uh, the teens hear about it. And I'm just thinking it's me and I'm not going to ask teenagers to come out at midnight and walk around downtown Melbourne and pray with me. Uh, but they start hearing about it and they want in on it. So before long, we've got a little herd of a dozen of us wandering around downtown Melbourne praying over the city. And there was this one spot where stuff would happen. Uh, I know where it is. It's, it's right where Municipal comes into uh, New Haven. And, um, and God would keep falling on people in that spot, so we wouldn't tell them. We just, I'd kind of walk in the back at that point and just watch and see what would happen. It was kind of fun until the one night the, the girl walked through there and went out in the spirit right when a police car came by. So we had <laughs> to try and explain what was going on. Uh, so we'll get her up. It's okay. She's fine. No, it's not what you think. You're, these are not drunk, as you suppose. Uh, you know. <laughs> so uh, we're just going for it. And again, stuff is happening at these prayer meetings. Uh, now, after uh, the seven or six or seven years, um, some of the youth pastors weren't youth pastors anymore. Some of the teens were growing up. We got down to having a dozen or so showing up. And it, there came a point where we went, well, this has run its life. It's time to move on to something else. But there was, you, you want to tell any fire dweller stories? I know you like the one with... Uh, yeah, Bo. Bo. With Lori. Where's yeah. Lori? Is she in here? Um, by the way, Tuesday and Thursday morning, we have prayer, and it's roots. Go all the way back to 1990. So if you're like, dang, I wasn't here. I missed out on it. Tuesday and Thursday morning, you can come, 7 a.m. We, we don't make you come at 6 anymore. <laughs> but that is the same prayer meeting. It's just going on. It's just a little more manageable time-wise. But then there's Thursday night prayer, which when I came here, there was a Thursday night prayer called Gap, God Answers Prayer. All right, fire draw. We're quick. This is a fun story. We were prayed for prodigals one night. Two hours we prayed for prodigals. And at the end of that, this kid walks in, very sober looking. He's got a big Letterman type jacket on. I think it was the Red Sox. He had a sock over here. Has his hands in his pocket, and he looks rough, really rough. And he walks in, and we were, the way the church was situated, we were in the back. So we were actually singing in the foyer. He cuts right across in front of me. I am thinking, shooter! I'm like, we got a shooter. We got a shooter. Oh, no. I was really nervous. So I'm singing, and I'm watching him. Tony's in the back, he's kneeling down praying, and all of a sudden he gets up and he starts to walk forward to pray, and I'm, I am ready, and Shelly Tapper was in the back. We are both ready to yell, Doc, everybody down, down, hit the dirt. And so the, then the kid, he has one hand behind his back and one hand in the pocket. So I am really watching this kid. Tony comes up to pray, does not get shot. And uh, goes back down. And then we continue on. And the kid, so the pews are over here. The kid moves in towards the pews. And guys, we are watching. We are watching the presence of God melt this kid. Melt him. So then, as soon as the meeting's over, Lori McCowan makes, makes a beeline for him. His name is Bo. That day, he'd gotten out of the Department of Corrections. He'd gotten out of prison. He was 26 years old. He served 11 years for first-degree murder, killing his, daughter, his sister's rapist. It was a family friend. Found out about it, took a gun, waited for him, shot him, put the gun down, and waited for the police to come get him. Yeah. He, just that day, and he, you could feel that murderous spirit on him. So we prayed for him 
that all went, it just melted off of him. It just melted off of him. Two hours God set us up to pray for this kid. We think he doesn't have anywhere to go. Lori takes care of him over the weekend. He comes to church on Sunday, gets baptized. Find out he has family in Alabama that's been praying for him. Put him on a bus, send him back to Alabama. And to this day, we don't know what happened to him. I wish we did, but yeah. that is a, that's a signpost. We're not supposed to just have one bow. We're supposed to have many bows, yeah. many bows, Amen. many bows, many bows, many of them. So that was just a Friday night at Fire Dweller. What did you guys do last Friday? <laughs> okay. So um, persistence. We continued to do that. And then when Fire Dweller dwindled in 2009, in 2010, uh, we started, which many of you are familiar with, MyHop. We're meeting once a month with, again, Freedom Christian Center. MyHop stands for My House of Prayer. And, and doing uh, monthly harp and bowl worship and prayer. Many of you have been involved in that. We did that through 2020, where, again, after about 10 years, it felt like it had run its course, and we're currently still talking about what are we going to do next. Um, and I just want to remind you, I already talked about this, that we started doing weekly pastor's prayer every Thursday in 1988, and we've, we're still doing it 30-some uh, years later. We're still, I think it's 30 years, we're still doing... 35? Uh, or we're still doing pastor's prayer every Thursday uh, for an hour. It's just a bunch of pastors. It's, lately, it's been 15 or 20 pastors. It's getting really good. I told you about how they, they just sat there quietly in the presence of God last time. And I don't know how often you've seen a group of 20 pastors sit quietly. That's something. Nobody was talking. They were just all enjoying the presence of God. So why am I telling you all this? Um, because I want you to see that from 1990 until now, we have been continually pursuing revival. There's this rope, if you will, of prophetic promises hanging here that we grabbed a hold of in 1990, and we've been pulling on it. Now, we had revival for many years, and that kind of lifted, but I still see the rope. And I never, and I want you to see the reason we gave you all this up till current days. there are a lot of us who have never let go of that rope. Revival's right there. It just lifted. We're pulling it back down. You can grab hold of that rope with us anytime you want. I was going to say, teenagers, man, grab hold of it. Challenge us. So say you want it. Our ceiling is your floor. So how, how great do you want your floor to be? So, like, go for it. So part of this weekend coming up uh, is just grabbing hold of that rope and going, God, uh, do it again. We're keeping the testimonies. One more time, God. Uh, pull that down. That's, that's still up there. Uh, it's just lifted. That's the whole point of God reminding us of all the stuff from the 90s uh, and about the new things he wants to do. Does this make sense? All right, so if you want to go ahead and get the band ready, um, I want to give you just this before we go back into worship. And I want to give you two prophetic words. And uh, actually, Rachel, I'll let you do the, the first one. Uh, in 1 Timothy 1, uh, Paul charges Timothy to do warfare according to prophecies he's received, that you wage the good warfare. So in other words, in the same way you would use a passage of Scripture to do warfare, like the sword of the Spirit, 
um, he's saying, use the prophetic words that are from God also to declare. So just to declare in the heavens, just to say, God, you said, do this. I'm grabbing hold of that rope. I'm pulling on this word. And so the first one was in March of 2011. We've talked about it before, Terry Bennett. Um, so you want to cover that one? Yeah, just real quick. Can somebody also grab Aaron? Um, uh, Tony and I are driving the car February of 2011, and we were telling 90 stories. We're talking about the 90s again. And I was like, ugh, it's 2011. Good grief. Do you think that the best is in the past? And he goes, oh, Lord, I hope not. I'm what I actually said was, if it is, I'm going to do something else. <laughs> yeah, for we're going to do something else. Because you just start to think, this is just going to be this, you know, little average Christian. God, there's got to be more. That's where we were at. God, there's more. We know there's more of you. We've read the book. So um, a month later, we get invited to a meeting down at Open Door House of Prayer in Fort Pierce, kind of invitation only. Um, Terry Bennett was there. He was one of the guys that came to Fire Dweller back in the day, one of our, I mean, in the fire conferences. Anyway, at the end of his message, which is still one of the best messages I've ever heard, it, um, he, said, he stops and he starts talking to Tony. And he says, Tony, the Lord says the best is not in the past. And I'm like, mm, you have my attention. Because that was a private conversation in a truck. Yeah. Right? But God knew and God is saying the best is not in the past. And so that began to build hope in our hearts that God is still doing a good work. So we've been pulling on that rope for 10 years now. God, the best is not in the past. You said. I think we're getting closer. The other one that I want to highlight was in November of 2017. Uh, Tim and Kelly Franklin were here, and they gave us this word, and, and uh, it just stood out to me. So uh, they talked about a fresh breath coming, winds of God blowing on us. And then they said this, our golden circle, like king's crowns being let down on this church. And I'll tell you why that's significant to me. And, and I love that this is four years ago, because guys, we just have no idea of God's time frame. Uh, remember, uh, prayer, unity, presence, worship, persistence. We just keep pulling on the rope. It's up there. I know it's up there. I'm going to keep pulling on the rope. And so uh, the reason the golden circle like King's Crown is significant to me because during the, I can't remember which year, but during the In the Fire uh, conference, I was standing there worshiping with both my hands out like that. And I would, in my mind's eye, uh, I kept seeing like a hula hoop sized gold thick gold ring. And I'm like, what, what's that? And I didn't say anything to anybody because that's weird and subjective. But it kept happening for weeks. It kept happening. And I'm like, God, why am I seeing a gold ring in my hands? A big one, a great big ring. Um, and uh, all I could get from God was the sense that it has something to do with glory, God's glory. And so uh, when they said, yeah, I see a golden circle like a king's crown being let down on this church, uh, I went, well, that's, that might be that glory thing. Huh? That sounds good to me. Uh, and he says, there's a kingly anointing here, an open heaven. But here's the part I want you to hear. And this is part of the prophetic words. So often prophetic words are conditional on our response. And it says, you need to grab hold. You need to step into it. Don't shrink back. There's a smoldering fire. It's up to us to fan it into flame. So that's why we're pushing for grabbing hold of the rope, pulling on God. Who knows? I have no idea what God's going to do, when he's going to do it. I just know it's up there, and I ain't letting go of the rope. Uh, so I'm hoping if enough of us hang on that rope, we can pull it down. <laughs> <laughs>
Amen? Does that make sense? All right, so let's, let's take 20 minutes or so. We can go five minutes over because, you know, we talked, there was two of us, so uh, that should get us an extra five. Uh, let's go into worship, and uh, let's just, guys, I just want you to believe uh, that God wants this more than we do. And uh, Lord, let's just worship Him. Let's just believe that He wants to do good stuff in our midst because He's a good God who pursues us with goodness. And uh, let's just see where we end up. Amen? Remember, this week, uh, it's our go-for-it week, Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night for the youth and the 20-somethings. Just going for it, seeing where we end up. Amen?